Context of sound. One more time. Context of sound. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still chewing my nuts. <laughs> oh, that sounded really good. Um, <laughs> Hi. Um, hey, welcome back. <laughs> welcome to the show. Oops, my mouth is full of... Trail mix. Trail mix. Thank you. Thank you. That is what it is. Repeal um, and replace re- that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're back at it again this week. Back at da, it again da, in da, the context da, da, of sound. Da, 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 da. Um, so how have you been? Mm. I've been good. Excellent. I've been good, yeah. Excellent. I've um I've been uh I got back into Average. um i got back into actually it's a really funny story um and now that i'm bringing it up because like this is kind of one of the one of the weird things that our friendship was based off of because when we first met each other we uh talked about uh our favorite (laughs) youtube television or youtube show uh got to be real oh yeah oh Uh, got to be real uh, if you don't know what it is, if you don't know what got to be real is, like, please just log off of this right now. Just, just stop watching this stop, away. Put this away for a second, and then just go type in "got the number two and then "be real." Yeah, and, and I recommend starting with crispy business, crispy parts business one and two. Parts one and two are. It's just uh, it's <clears throat> it's one of those. It's it's perfect, and yeah. it is a timeless thing in which I the. Um, Patty LaHell, who put that one together, is um, a genius, a comedic She's a genius. genius, and she um, she plays most of the characters. Basically, it is a diva festival. It's basically a, all Real the divas Housewives with all of your like R and B divas. So. Yeah. It's like interview clips of Patti LaBelle, Shaka Khan, Dionne Warwick, Aretha, Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Tony Braxton, Beyonce. Mary J. Blige, Fantasia. Fantasia, Rihanna. <laughs> I'm so serious. Look at my bangs right now. <laughs> I want to put on for Patti. It's so good. And literally half of the catchphrases in my life come from that. It's so great. Yeah. We used to watch it. I first discovered it on tour yeah. with... Um, Vula and LaDonna and Charlene, like my backing singer girls, and we like hold up in the hotel room, just like binge watching it. Yeah, it's so great, but even better, you know, because like in recent time, there's been like the real life got to be real situation going on with oh, the real, the the infamous facts, um, which is like (laughs) still ongoing. Enemies for life, (laughs) hate Retha. I just saw like just recently, like, uh. Gladys Knight like threw her hat in the ring commenting on oh she the, threw in some well like she was just saying that you know like she was coming to the defense of her like because her and Dion are close apparently and it was just like yo you know like she's not worried about her like Dion doesn't why don't care. you explain what you what okay the... so like are oh, we going back to, um so if if you don't already know I don't, I don't if you don't know I don't know why you don't I mean if you don't already know um like yeah, a few you know. weeks ago um <laughs> Aretha Franklin sent out a very, very lengthy fax. Fax. <laughs> like a fax. I love that she sent a fax, like, first of all. Like, she took the time to, like, probably type it out on a computer, I would hope, and then print it, and then, like, fax it, or, like, I, I don't know what happened. Did she transcribe it? So I imagine her, like, having her assistant, like, pull out, like, a... a typewriter. Like, a typewriter while she's just, like... Um, begin, dear Associated Press, <laughs> uh, this bitch got me all the way fucked up. Strike that, actually. Can we just say that she blatantly lied on me? 
Um, yeah, she sent a fax because um, apparently she was really upset about something that happened at Whitney Houston's funeral, which was five years ago. Um, it seems like longer. <laughs> it seems shorter for me for some odd reason. I feel like I feel like it was just yesterday. You know, like God, I do miss Whitney. It seems like so long ago yeah. to me. But yeah, she um, she she decided to wait five years to mm-hmm. air her grievances. Uh, and did so in the most spectacular manner. And I feel like she maybe had been thinking for, like, four of those five years, like, what is the best way to be the pettiest I possibly could? And Effects like, is pretty petty. Effects <laughs> so, is, like... Like, think about, like, the person. I just think about, like, the intern who just, like, picked up that fax, who was, like, probably used to it being, like, a... Like, who had get, a like, fax Get, like, machine? a 199, like, five-day, four-night, like, cruise line kind of paper. And he's, like, uh... I think there's a fax here from Aretha Franklin. Like, how do you ver- how could you possibly verify that? I don't even know. But yeah, it says that she um <clears throat> um someone asked her, you know, like why it took her so long to say anything about like. So apparently, what uh, was in the fax? In the fax, <laughs> the facts of life. <laughs> facts of life. Um, let me let me figure this out. So she says. Um, at the time, Dion told funeral goers that Franklin was present, uh, and then she realized that she wasn't there, and then she, it said something like, hang on, let me, like, because I honestly, the problem that I don't get is that, like, it seems to me that, like, it doesn't make any sense, this entire story, because it's just, like, somebody said that you were somewhere that you weren't, Yeah. and then you decided to, like be upset about it five years later so anyways i'm just gonna read this like full out so hang on let me go back on april 25th uh (laughs) she sent a fax uh where she accused warwick of falsifying claims that she was houston's godmother she blatantly lied on me full well knowing what she was doing franklin told the associated press uh according to franklin warwick's statement was libelous at the time warwick told funeral goers that franklin was present and introduced her however later realized that she wasn't in attendance Ree's not here, but she is here, said Warwick. She loves Whitney as if she were born to her. She is her godmother. Meanwhile, Franklin stated that she was unable to attend Houston's funeral due to a swollen feet and a scheduling conflict that she was performing later that night uh, and that she was contractually obligated. But um, I I don't see why this matters. It doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of like... Sending a fax. It's such on a it. like, womp, womp. Yeah. like you wasted a fax on that. A fax on it, like, anyways. But that's the funnier part is like you literally had nothing to do today, so you just like you know what, I'm just gonna start some shit, and I appreciate that. You know, I love when old when like when like when old people can like. I mean, just they call do her hate Retha for, for a reason. reason. Yeah. But you know, uh, anyways, I think yeah, it was just funny to like see that still going on because she's like living like it just kind of reconfirms that everything that was in uh got to be real got to be real is real it's I mean, real like that i mean like patty the hell just has some sort of like psychic nobody's to talking all. to you tony broken <laughs> <laughs> you can't even afford a backdrop <laughs> looking like a commercial for flop insurance <laughs> oh god uh, yeah, what? sorry if this is going over your head. It really is, but just just it's, get just into it. Just get into it. 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 Got, to be real. got to be real. It's the shit. 
Anyways, so um, that's a kind of way lighthearted uh, intro to like a pretty heavy oh, yeah. <laughs> episode. Today we're talking about... How do we even phrase this? I don't know. Um, I guess hmm. the thing... I guess it's a little macabre. Oh my well, god, I, I was I've about been to very say macabre I've, recently. Do you know what? I was just about to say the worst thing that we should call this episode I Believe I Can Fly. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it's uh, so uh, awful. You're the it's worst. So awful. I am a horrible human being for that one. <laughs> this episode is about two artists that died in plane crashes. Oh my god, this is awful already. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so bad. <laughs> We're canceled. Sorry, sorry, I'm an awful person. Um, <laughs> that just popped in my head. I believe I can fly. <laughs> well, now we have to call it that. No, we can't. We can't. <laughs> oh. Oh. I mean, shit. what do you call it? I don't know. Um, it's. <sighs> mm. I don't know. I don't really know how it would be. Like, uh, it's just everything kind of that I pot. Literally, everything that comes in my head is kind of like sick and twisted. It's not sick and twisted. It's just like not necessarily like appropriate. You know, like it's um, <clears throat> it's about two people whose careers were cut very, very, very short. Very short by a really unfortunate like yeah freak accident, and both became like. I think they were, they, I mean, they were both very successful at the times yeah. of their demise, but having, I think they became really influential. They're both really They're influential. They're both really influential. I'm yeah. doing Patsy Cline. Uh, and to be honest, I was I was supposed to be doing um, Buddy Holly, but I decided to do Richie Valens instead. Oh, okay. Um, for a few reasons. Um, because he's just as influential in a lot of ways. Um, and I just figured um, I would... Um, focus on the Chicano in the story because I think he's oftentimes overlooked by. I Buddy mean, it's Holly. the same. They died um, in the same. This uh, crash. the same crash. So yeah, yeah um, Richie Valens uh, and I Buddy Holly that. and the Big Whopper. Yeah, they all um, passed in the same accident. But I wanted to talk about Richie Valens just because I I figured that like his story is probably the most tragic of them all. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I know I don't know as much about him as I know about Buddy, um, Buddy Holly, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, so, should we just get into it? Yeah. Okay, so, uh, as I said, I am talking about Richie Valens today. Um, he is um, a kind of, I, you would say, really kind of one of the pioneering members of, of rock and roll. He's... Um, a really interesting character because his career was literally eight months long. Wow. Um, from the time he was discovered what? to the time that he released his album and when he died was the span of eight months. And he was also 17. Wow. Um, so That's he was crazy. super young. Uh, he was this kid from East L.A. His name was Richard Valenzuela. Um, he is Mexican. Um, he grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Um, so he's like an LA kid through and through. Um, his father died when he was 10. Um, wait, and he's from East LA, but he grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Well, actually, right. No, he's from Pacoima in a neighbor. No, why did I say he's from East LA? I don't know. That's kind of just a generalization. Okay. So he's from Pacoima. He's from Pacoima. Um, 
and he grew up out there. His uh, his father died when he was pretty young, um, and he had like uh, I think four other yeah four other siblings, and like they were very 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 poor. Um, obviously, what year was it? Um, was when when was he born? In forty one. Forty one. Okay. So you know um, the. Um, he he ta- taught himself how to play the guitar. He was actually uh, it was a funny story that he was left-handed, but he just wanted to play so bad that he learned how to play traditionally with the right hand, um, and wow. uh, never took any lessons, but just kind of like really just learned how to play, listening along to to music on the radio, um, and uh, he was kind of discovered when he was sixteen. Um, he started like playing for this uh for a um i guess you would say um the, a band called the silhouettes he was like kind of playing the guitarist uh, and then um when he got into uh they were on a, i think the the silhouettes had a lead singer who ended up leaving the group and he mm-hmm. kind of took over duties and that's how he was kind of discovered because he would play a lot in his high school um and he actually is an interesting character in the sense that, uh, as I kind of said earlier, uh, he is really kind of a pioneer. Um, he was like the first, like really big like Chicano rock star, Latin rock star in general, um, and really wow. kind of came up like with the people who made rock and roll what it was. You mm-hmm. know, <clears throat> he um, is uh, he's responsible for one of his more popular songs, um, which I think everyone knows but they kind of don't really even know that it's him because he it's a traditional Mexican uh, folk song that he, like, turned into a rock song and it, like, took the country by storm, number one hit. Um, it was actually kind of the reason why he got brought on to the uh, Winter Dance Party tour, which is the tour that uh, was responsible for the plane crash that, you know, killed him and Buddy and the Big Bopper. <clears throat> but... <clears throat> This song uh, is uh, also has the honor of being the only non-English song on Rolling Stone's top 500 rock and roll songs. List. Wow. Us. Yeah, so that's that's Richie. Um, such a um, like instantly recognizable, and, like sort of cross, like such a universal song. Everyone, like, everybody yeah, knows that everybody song. knows that song. Yeah, like literally everybody knows that song. Yeah, uh, and he's the man who's responsible for it. Like it, it's been around since like the early uh, 1900s, mm. I think, uh, from from what I read. And um, he like took this song in a very traditional sense, uh, which is. When you think about it, like that song came out in, I guess his his version of it came out in 1958, and mm. uh, the idea of like this uh, Spanish, like it, the entire song is in Spanish. There's not a single English word in it, 
Um, so when, you know, that is the number one song in the country in mm-hmm. 1958, that's crazy, you know? Uh, What's so sing-alongable and catchy, even if you don't speak Spanish? Exactly. I mean, I think we all, I mean, I remember as a child singing that song, just like mumbling along in in Spanish. I mean, I still don't even know what, (laughs) I still don't know the words of that song, like, to this day. (laughs) I mean, the one part I always understood was like, soy capitan, soy capitan. Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, he, uh, that song kind of, like I said, it, it took, it took over, um, he, um, he, he was, his, his entire career happened in the span of a year, so all these things kind of happened really quickly, you know, he was, Mm. uh, discovered by, um, this guy named Bob Keen, who had Delphi Records here in LA, um, he, they said that they kind of called Richie Valens like the little Richard of Los Angeles, which is kind of why he went to go see him and then quickly signed him and then like popped out. This and he was 16. Re- he was 16 at wow. the time. Um, no, no, no. He was he was uh, 17. Well, he was 16 when he was discovered and then turned 17. Um, but he kind of, uh, the weirder part is, um, <clears throat> and something that I, I read, which was kind of crazy, um, seeing as like his eventual death, uh, via plane crash, um, was that he always had this, I read that he had like a lifelong kind of, uh, fear of flying, um, because there was an accident when he was in junior high, uh, like a year, a year and a half prior to that, two airplanes collided over like his playground and killed a a bunch of his friends. Wow. Yeah. Like crazy shit. Um, so it was like, he already had this like really weird issue, but like and that, like I said, happened a year before he got kind of discovered. And then he, like, takes off. He had to get over that pretty quickly because he starts flying everywhere. He's, like, on American Bandstand mm-hmm. and going, you know, all over the all over the country. Uh, he then releases a, a follow-up song um, called Donna, which he wrote about his, like, sweetheart, his, like, high school girlfriend. Um, oh, Donna. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know this was Richie Valens. Yeah, either. I didn't realize he was so young either. Yeah, neither did I. So yeah, it's like a, it's like your, I don't know, that's like a classic, it's like a classic 50s, like fifties, like, like love song. parking, making out. Well, yeah. now my first job as a teenager, uh, I was like fourteen or fifteen, and I was a soda jerk in like a nineteen fifties <laughs> style, um, like the soda fountain. Yeah, exactly. That's, hilarious. that's cute. <laughs> and um, we used to play that song a lot. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a classic Richie. Um, it's so he. He actually like his whole thing back then too, and like I the, I, I watched his uh, the behind the music for um, uh, what this 
Ferriti Valens yeah. and, and um, Buddy and, and Big Bopper, the day the music died is kind of like what they, they traditionally call like yeah. the day that this plane crash happened. Um, <clears throat> but um, they interviewed a bunch of people in his family and they were all just kind of saying that his big thing was that he just wanted to like buy his mom a house. And so he kind of, he bought his mom a house and went on went on tour really to help kind of push his career forward because obviously like I said he had just kind of started off um and you know it's it, it's funny because like Richie like I said he was 17 he was really young um Buddy was a little bit older he had kind of already kind of been a big deal and kind of his he was ha- kind of faltering with his like charting performance so he kind of went on tour because he needed to whereas I mean they both kind of had to go on tour for two separate reasons you know like Buddy was going there to kind of like make more money because he needed to support his family and Richie is joining the tour because like his career is just starting and needs more exposure. Mm. His songs are playing all over the radio. Um, they, they started this tour called the, um, the winter dance party, um, which was going through the Midwest in the middle of like January and February. And like, this is like the upper Midwest. We're talking like Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota. Cold AF. Yeah, the Dakotas, Wisconsin. Just, like, fucking, like, bone-chilling cold where everything is frozen. Like, the ground is frozen. Like, the dirt is frozen together. Yeah. Um, And Like, the ice is frozen. Yeah, the ice is frozen. (laughs) But it's crazy because they had, like, they had... um, Whoever put the tour together just, like, didn't really know or understand, like, you know, like distance and like like tra- travel times because they would like they'd have a show in one place and then drive three hundred miles east uh, for the next day Was it and then Carey's the manager? third. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> awful. <laughs> and then the third day would be a show twenty miles from the place that they showed. They had a show at two days prior, so they're like zigzagging oh everywhere. And they were in this, like, shitty old bus, uh, which, like, people were getting, like, frost... Like, somebody's feet got frostbitten on oh, the bus. Shit. Like It was, like, miserable. Um, one of the dudes, the Big Bopper who was performing, one of the headliners, he got he got the flu. Like, it was, like, a miserable tour. Um, they... And, and nobody was happy. And, like, everybody was just, like, cold. Uh, and sucks. they were... Like, when they got to this show that they... The last show they played was in Clear Lake, Iowa. And um, when they got there, they were just the only thing they asked for was like a meal and a place to wash their clothes because they hadn't been able to wash their clothes. And they just like were like, I just I need to like chill for just a day. But they had to keep moving. They had a show in like Fargo, North Dakota the next day, which is like a 12, 13 hour drive in the middle of the winter. Um, So they play this show in Clear Lake, Iowa. Um, Buddy decides to. Uh, charter a plane up to Fargo because he's like, fuck this shit. I'm not trying to be on this bus. And like, I 100% don't blame him. Because um, if you got a chance to charter like a plane like over that, like I would totally do it. Because he just wanted to get up there to get, you know, to avoid the, the bus ticket or the bus like ride and just like have a second to just like chill out and not mm-hmm. be on the bus and get warm and, and feel a little bit better. It was him, uh, Waylon Jennings, and. Oh, I can't remember what the other guy's name was that were originally supposed to be on the the plane. Was Waylon Jennings on the um on the winter dance tour? Yeah, he was <laughs> that uh, name. the winter dance tour. <laughs> yeah, he was on the um he joined 
the Winter Dance Party tour. Oh, the Winter Dance Party tour. Yeah, he went. He was he joined kind of Buddy's group. So like Buddy had like the crickets, mm-hmm. um, and they had um, he replaced his original three dudes with new new three dudes, which were Waylon Jennings, Tommy Allsup, and Carl Bunch. Um, and they ended up actually, so he ended up getting like the it was a three seater plane, so it was like him. Uh, it was supposed to be like him, Waylon, and Tommy, but Tommy ended up like giving his ticket to, um, to uh, the Big Bopper because he was sick and he just wanted to get up there because like he wasn't feeling well, and then like he flipped a coin with uh, Richie Valens and then like randomly was just like, yep, he called head, so he got on the bus and that was it, um, and yeah, the the interesting thing that I I guess I didn't really even like think really of much until like I watched this uh behind the music because I didn't like obviously like I hadn't really like looked too heavily into this I mean I've obviously I've always known like this was a day but like yeah yeah the day the music died it's like there's a song notorious yeah yeah uh but so what actually happened was that like they they didn't like the plane crashed pretty shortly after it took off like within a few minutes it was like a crazy like winter storm and it like ended up like crashing like um i think it was like a handful of miles away from where it took off at and like the the way that they described how the plane like like landed and like what happened was like kind of nuts because the ground was so frozen like when it the like when the wing hit the ground it like dug in and like kind of like broke things in half and it just like kind of like just like tumbled and like kept spinning and spinning and like I forgot what they I can't it was like a really graphic way of describing a plane crash um and there's like just crazy photos of the the scene and like the their autopsy reports are fucking nuts really just like dude where's this at I don't know if I need to read this specifically but (laughs) I mean I don't know what's wrong with me but I do love an autopsy report um I watch way too much forensic files. So this is what they say about um, his... From his death certificate, it says that the head was badly crushed and deformed, the calvarium region wide open, and the brain tissue almost completely eviscerated. That's from his death certificate. And the calvarium... From Richie Valens. From, yeah. um, The top of his skull was... It says that... A calvarium is the region on the top of the skull, and then eviscerated means disemboweled. And so this person, and then Buddy Holly's death uh, was kind of just as bad. It said that his head was split open, half of his brain tissue missing, and his chest oh. soft tissue due to internal organs being crushed. The face was also badly cut up, and oh. that was just like that's awful. Yeah, so. So it was a graphic. It was a graphic way crash. to go. Yeah, and they didn't like, and they didn't discover the plane crash until like the next morning, when Almost they realized it. Well, because they realized that they never showed up, and they like, they went on like a search, and they saw that they weren't even that far, and it was like, covered in a bunch of snow, and yeah. So it was like a really shitty situation in general. They didn't want to be on the tour. It was an awful tour in general. Is that thunder Is that outside? I think that's thunder. <laughs> that was so weird. Oh. Wow, it's like a real rain. 
<laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so that was very loud. It was so loud. I thought somebody was like dragging <laughs> furniture upstairs. <laughs> okay, but anyways, um, so yeah, he, uh, that was, like I said, that was eight months almost to the day wow. of like when he got started. So he um, didn't have a ton of music recorded. No, he had. He ended up like kind of dropping in total two albums. Um, one came out like before his uh, his death. Um, this was the kind of like lead single from that album that was like really popular. Weirdly, I'm also pretty familiar with that song, yeah. but didn't no, realize gonna... that it was Richie Valens. Yeah. I I always kind of just know Richie Valens for La Bamba. The movie. The classic. Oh, the, the movie or the song? Well, the song, but also there was a movie with... Um, with Isai Morales and... What's um, his name? Lou Diamond, Lou Diamond Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. Who, I mean, when you told me that he was 17 when he died. Because Lou like, Diamond Phillips was, was like, like a grown ass man. He was in like that a 35 year old. He was like, he was like, you have like, that's, because in my head, that's, that's who he always was, like this Lou grown ass Phillips. man. Yeah, yeah. It was Lou Diamond Phillips. Who was also in his, uh, in the behind the music. Oh, he was? Yeah. Also, like, Nick Nolte was in it, and I don't really know why. I should probably investigate that. I need to do some research. Nick Nolte, why were you in Richie Valens behind the music? Yeah, contact us at contextofsound <laughs> at gmail.com and let us know if you're listening to this Nick Nolte. I'm sure you are. Thanks. Um, do you remember when he was on the... No, that wasn't him. Never mind. I'm thinking of Gary Busey. I'm getting my white guys mixed up. <laughs> no, there is a definite like Gary Busey and Nick Nolte. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, like a... alcoholic, like white dudes. Yeah. From the Always, 80s. Yeah. Yes. Alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> white dudes. But they're tired. They just look tired. Um, yeah. Anyhow, so it's kind of sad. Obviously, it's very sad. His, the, fact that he was very young 17 years old uh and also very uh very like promising career but also the fact that he was just the first kind of big mexican rock star and pop star in general um and then who how he was able to kind of inspire you know a lot of people from you know like los lobos to carlos yeah. santana to all these people whom um kind of followed him uh, and really made the kind of Chicano rock sound like a, a big part of like the American music like tapestry. Um, and I, w- I want to do an episode on like Chicano R&B actually. Ooh, that'd be fun. Because yeah, there's a lot of like, especially in Los Angeles Hell yeah. in the 70s, there was a lot of really great Chicano yeah. R&B. It's, it's a weird thing that like not that many people, I think, at least in the United States, that aren't kind of part of the community who aren't like, you know, in Southern California or like Texas where like that sound is like way more kind of like prevalent. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, if you live in the Midwest or whatever, or places you, where there's not a lot of Mexican people. All you hear people. is, like, Carlos Santana and Selena. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, like, that's, uh, there's so much more to it, and there's so much good music in the in those in those sounds. And uh, uh, definitely Richie Valens was one of the people who's responsible for kind of setting that up as a space for, for other Chicanos to follow. Um, and, like... In general, like his his sound was obviously like a combination of rock, very R and B focused as well, but you know like the beautiful thing that you know he was able to bring in with like La Bamba and why it's so great is because it does still have that you know very classic you know Latin sound. Yeah. Uh, you know like that awful also too kind of like a really kind of like still very like Caribbean vibe to it as well too. You know, it has like a salsa vibe yeah. too. Yeah. With like a rockabilly like I mean a rock and roll sensibility mm-hmm. so yeah i mean the 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 day the music died is uh one of those you know s- days that are pretty you know synonymous with rock and roll um anyone that you know considers themselves to be uh, a student of of that uh, sort of, of the history of that sound will know that that's it, it really was because of the fact that you know these people like buddy holly who is you know obviously if you don't know who Buddy Holly is, he's, you know, a, a very iconic and influential and a very important, you know, uh, person within, you know, rock and roll history. Um, and you should definitely kind of get into that. Uh, but I, I just figured that, like, I wanted to talk about Richie just because I, I, I wasn't aware of, you know, like, just those, like, small things of, like, his age and mm. just, like, the shortness, like, the absolute shortness of his career. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and I just figured I want to talk about that because like it's it's kind of what nuts. about the Big Bopper? The Big Bopper, like, he's kind of like the Big Bopper. I didn't know anything about like literally until I like was looking into it because I didn't really like. He's got a lot of songs that aren't really about anything. It seems like from what I I'll, I'll play a couple of I'll play one. This was like his biggest hit, Chantilly Lace. It begins with a fake phone Hello, call. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the Big Bopper speaking. <laughs> oh, you sweet man. Do I want? Will I want? Oh, the fifties was mad corny. What I like. Super corny. Yeah, you know the fifties so. was like this ultra conservative, like mm-hmm. just like really corny time for culture. But you know, like think about this: this song was out like the same year as that song with uh, what's that? You know that we talked about on the first episode of this show, like uh, the Carol King and Jerry Goffin. Hit. Oh, the um, um the, not the how chart. will I how, not how the, will I know. Not how will I know? That's Whitney. <laughs> how will I know? Um, um, no, the not the Chilites. The the one with the, the something sisters or something yeah, girls. The like um, the oh god. Will will oh will he still love me tomorrow? Oh yeah. Yes. Will you still love me? Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. Um. I mean, not that there wasn't great music. No, but like the fact that like they can cut like you could have some corny ass shit like this. Um. Because I don't really know what it's about. Like, I don't know. I guess 
the point being more that like white folks were real corny in the fifties, like more than no- <laughs> more than normal. Yeah, I mean it was like it was it was, a, it was, it was a height of white it corniness. Was the height of white corniness. <laughs> it really was. It was. It was I shameless mean, until it was shameless maybe corny. like now. You know that's what. Uh, that's we're, what I was. We're in it. We're in a corny time right now. We are in a corny time. Yeah. But I feel like it's always. I mean, corny is so like. I don't know. Like it's so subjective to like the the time. Like, could you get away with this right now? No. But like maybe you know like. Think about. I mean, I feel like just put a different beat on it, and it's a chain smokers. That is true. It is very true. I mean, it's yeah. It's basically let me I take don't know a selfie. Really what I'm it's about. it's basically <laughs> let me take a selfie. <laughs> Which honestly, I I you know it's really funny. Somebody, did you forget that that was Chainsmokers? I absolutely did forget that that was their song because somebody brought that up to me and I was like, that's not them. That song's like old. And I was like, they're new. Like no, 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 that's them. And I was like, no, no, that's like from like 2006 or something like that. No, they've been up it's like to that. 2000, fun. like probably 2013. For real. Yeah, that song's not that old. I thought it was like, for some reason... Selfies weren't even a thing in 2006. I mean, you know, I didn't know, I didn't realize where the emojis were on my keyboard until 2014. Maybe. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just pretty late to the party of like those kind of things. That's weird. I know. I thought you had to like download a separate app. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... That's, uh, oh, I wanted to play this one song, which is kind of, uh, a lot of people don't know that it's related to the day that the music died, but it's probably just as, it's a pretty popular song in the sense that it's, uh, um, it kind of really is an, um, an, an homage to the three people whom, uh, were lost I guess four people, if you count the pilot, who uh, was also young, 21 years was old. Was it only four people on the plane? Yeah, it's a very wow. small plane. Um, yeah, here's a song, American Pie. A long, long time ago I can still remember How that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside the day the music died So bye-bye, Miss America I drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die. So, yeah. That's also takes the cake for being the most 
Elton John, non Elton John. Song. It's a really long song too, isn't the yeah. original? Like the it's with eight the and full, the eight and a half minutes yeah. with all the verses and all everything. The verses. Yeah, you and definitely it's such a, to. You a don't know, like when you're growing up hearing that song, you don't have you don't the know what it's about. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Yeah. really, I should say. Well, I mean, like honestly, like these, the interesting, uh, I guess to put it in the context of like 2017 is like think of like three of the biggest stars in music mm. dying in on the same plane day crash. in one plane crash. Yeah. Like this is what this was. Like these were two. These were three individuals who were massive stars. And like if Aaliyah, Missy, and Genuine had all, all been died on the plane. On that plane, like think of like just, it's it was that impactful for that generation, um, and and still to this day, I mean, it's I think it's definitely like a thing that um, music was changed uh, a lot. I mean, for a lot of people, mm. um, I think subject matter changed. I mean, a lot of things like it was, the, it was like kind of like a it was a, an age of innocence in a lot of ways uh, that was like lost to a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I think we all have, every generation has, you know, they're like gone too soon, you know, fallen icons. Um, and yeah. it was just like, when a, they die young. Yeah. And they were all, they were all young. I yeah. mean, I think the big bopper was the oldest of them all, but, um, for the most part, like still. How old was Buddy Holly? Like 23. Oh, wow. I think something so like that. So young. Yeah. So. That's the story of Richie Valens. Um, he uh, he's got some good tracks, so I I definitely recommend getting into them. Uh, his stuff is all up on Apple Music and Spotify, and uh, I would also re- watch recommend watching the behind the music because they do some really great interviews of uh, they interview like Don- the actual Donna. Um, oh really? Donna, and she's like, I think I did watch that back it. in the day when it was on, yeah, like along with the Lou Diamond film. What's the what's that film called? La it's called Bamba. La Bamba, right? Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, that watch that movie because that movie is great. I love. They La used to play that on VH1 a lot, all the time. Yeah, all the time. It was that, and they play Selena, and then they play that ballroom dancing movie with Vanessa Williams and Antonio Banderas. I think he was in it. Do you remember that movie? Dance with me? No. Yeah. Is that what it's that, called? Yeah, that's what. It is. <laughs> God, I watched a lot of VH1. Man, dude. All right, Richie Valens. R.I.P. R.I.P. Richie. <clears throat> okay, so I'm gonna be um, talking about, like I said, Patsy Cline, who, um, if you don't know who Patsy Cline is, she was uh, a country. She was a one of the pioneers of country music for mm-hmm. women, especially in America. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the first woman to ever headline as a country artist. She was also the first woman ever inducted into the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm. In 1999, she was voted number 11 on VH1's 100 Greatest Women in Rock and Roll. And Rolling Stone ranked her as number 46 in the 100 Greatest Singers of All Time, which wow. is that's, pretty That's a pretty epic. high praise right yeah. there. Um, and she does, I mean, she's a, she was an incredible vocalist. She had a beautiful tone. She had perfect pitch. And um, she was a contralto, which is mm-hmm. sort of a bit lower for a female voice. She, she had like this kind of butchness about her. Even you see pictures of her and she wore a lot of like men's kind of country yeah. shirts. Um, yeah. She, there was kind of like, there was a strength and the power in her physical appearance and in her voice. Uh, yeah, I think that she was, um, she kind of set a precedent, I think, for 
a lot of country, like female country singers, because I think the you could go like the cutesy kind of like stand by my man kind of like Dolly Parton route. Yeah, which a lot of people do. Nothing wrong with Dolly. Dolly is great, obviously, but like she kind of was that like I'm like a strong woman, that kind of female empowerment that mm. that I think a lot of c- country music like followed. Um, that kind of that that uh, independence, that kind of like self self uh, self reliance that she kind of really spoke on heavily. I think she was still very much so like I'm a I'm a woman. I love. I feel. I do all these things. But um, yeah, I think that she she really kind of set a precedent for the way in which like women and specifically the way women wrote country music too. Yeah, well, she didn't really write a lot of her songs, yeah. but um, she. She was. She did set a precedent, also in the way that she was like a working woman. You yeah. know, in the nineteen fifties, like touring and working and mm-hmm. selling records and promoting them. When at that time, still women were sort of expected to do it um, to be, you know, a housewife. And that's actually how she was married twice, and her first marriage failed because she, you know, he wanted her to be a housewife mm-hmm. and didn't want her to really focus on her career. But um, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I'm going to just lead with probably the song that she's most famous for, um, which is one of one of her like later hits. This is towards the end of her life, but this is crazy, and this is probably what you know her from if you know her at all. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy, crazy for feeling so blue. I knew you'd love me. As long as you want it And then someday You'd leave me for somebody new Worry Why do I I wanted to kind of play it a little bit longer so to hear the part song. when she kind of goes up a bit higher because yeah. I'm going to get to that later in the story. There's a there's a reason why that's sort of relevant. But that's beautiful voice. Oh, my God. Just such a beautiful voice. And the best thing about that recording is it's just like they just give you that vocal like right out in the front. Like, right out of the that's front. That's all you hear. Yeah. Oh, she's and just, just like such a beautiful such tone. Great texture. Such a distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Um you know, really recognizable. So she was part of the uh, the late fifties, early sixties sort of Nashville sound, where country music started to cross over into into pop radio mm-hmm. um, for the first time. She died at the age of thirty, um, which young. is not as young as as the others, but yeah. the thirties really young, so and young. to be you know cut, have her life cut short, mm-hmm. um, 
was crazy. She was known for her rich tone, like I said, contra, uh, contralto voice. Um, she has sold millions of records uh, since passing as well. I mean, she sold a lot during her life, but um, but she's sort of become really iconic since her passing. Mm. Um, she grew up in Virginia. Actually, her real her birth name is Virginia. Is it? Weird. Yeah. Her real name is... Um, what the fuck is her, her name? Virginia Patterson Hensley. Thank you. Virginia Patterson Hensley. And so she was named Patsy after her middle yeah. name. So, she, yeah, she was born in Virginia and um, grew up singing in church with her mom. Her father left when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't have a lot of money. And uh, she would perform at, like, variety shows and stuff in the local talent and which she appeared on the local radio station. And that's how she kind of got discovered. <clears throat> and she was signed uh, by this country label called Four Star. And they didn't want her... They only wanted her to perform songs by writers that were signed to their record label. So mm-hmm. they were really controlling and she sort of felt a bit limited in terms of the material that she could... Um, record but at that time she was also performing on the Grand Ole Opry Mm -hmm. and she could perform you know a lot of other music there Mm -hmm. so that's really where she got to shine but um, her first single that came out on her original record deal was called A Church, A Courtroom and Then Goodbye church then the altar where we claimed each other with tears of joy we cried our friends wished us luck there forever as we walked from the church side by side So, you know, a cute little ditty about marriage. Um, I just love listening to her voice. It's it's honestly one of the most pleasing voices it's to listen just, to. It's, it's so yeah. it's so beautiful. Like It's beautiful. Say what you want. I mean, like, I like country music, like but like say what She's you want. She's one of about, the country artists that I do. Yeah, I mean like that I'm a fan she of. can just it just you can't deny that voice. Yeah, it's ah, a great so voice. So good. So good. Just beautiful tone. Beautiful tone. And even that, like, some when some singers do that sort of, like, uh, yodely thing, it can be really contrived and annoying. But she had this, yeah. like, delicate yodel yeah. sort of, like, break. That Cause it was, cause was so it, good. It, just, it was, uh, it's very subtle. It's not, very like, overly subtle. pronounced. But it's yeah. just, yeah, it's kind of, like, riding this line of kind of maybe about to tip over being, yeah. like, a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's but just got, great like, voice. great control. Yeah. And it's a soulful sort of a country voice, yeah. you know. Um, so that that was her first single. It didn't really do a lot. Um, it didn't really get a lot of attention, but it did lead her to more appearances on the Grand Ole Opry. Mm-hmm. Um, then she was discovered by um, 
this Arthur Godfrey, and she was on this TV show in late 1956. I was on CBS. And she was supposed to sing a song called A Poor Man's Roses. Uh, however, the show's producers wanted her to sing this song called Walking After Midnight. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which became like her first kind of really breakthrough hit. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after that, Decca Records thought the song um, was perfect for her and it became like a country hit and a crossover pop song. Um, she performed it that night on the show and the audience went bananas. It reached number two on the country chart and number 12 on the pop chart. Um, which made her one of the first, the Crossover. first, con- yeah, she was like Country one of the Crossovers. first country singers to really be on the pop charts. Yeah. So um, here is Walking After Midnight. Hey. I go on walking after midnight. That's that version, but actually on the Arthur Godfrey TV show, she performed the same song. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was the, this was the first time she performed it, but the arrangement's really different. It's kind of like a big band. It's more of like a Traditional pop. Traditional trap pop. Yeah, show, it yeah. sounds like kind of more, you know, in the jazz Jazzy, world. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to give a little taste of that because I think I actually prefer this version. No, absolutely. Like, it's close to the version. Yeah. Have you heard this Who before? did you bring? Well, I brought a young girl from Virginia who is on Decca Records, Miss Patsy Klein. From Winchester? That's right. That's her and mother speaking. she's going to do uh, her next release that will be out the 26th on Decca. What's the n- name of her song? Walking After Midnight. Walking After Midnight. That's a cute title. Well, it's nice <laughs> to meet you, Miss Hensley. And here, through your kindness, is Patsy Klein. Out walking after midnight, out in the moonlight, just like we used to do. I'm always walking after midnight, searching for you. Just my way of saying I love you. I'm always walking after midnight, searching for you. Great live vocal. I mean, flawless. I love the horns on this. Yeah.
Yeah, so quite a. Yeah, I they, prefer that version. I prefer it too. It's the horns. That really yeah, just it's like does a it for big me. bandy kind of like. It's still kind of. It still has its like kind like it's kind of bluegrass. Yeah. Part, but like, yeah, those horns are doing it. Yeah, for sure. But I've, you know, she was a country artist, so they went down the more traditional country route with the recording, which is you know it's cool. The original's great too. I mean, yeah, the, the album version. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool for what it was, but it didn't. <laughs> So um, yeah, that was like her, her, you know, like her, her big breakout crossover hit. Um, then she had a daughter in 1958, so she kind of, you know, Did she disappeared away. Yeah. You know, went to do the whole mom thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1961, she had a comeback with "I Fall to Pieces." That was like her mm. next big kind of breakout song. Um, it was her first number one. Really? Yeah, it was a country number one, and it was I thought, also like Walking After Midnight had to have been like a, it went to number two. Oh, wow! This was her first number one, and also um, another pop crossover. It went to number twelve on the pop charts and number six on the adult contemporary charts. Um, so yeah, um, let's have a little taste of that flavor. Put that in your pockets. One thing I forgot to mention is that she had, um, when she was 13 years old, she got really sick. She had a th- throat infection mm. and uh, rheumatic, rheumatic, rheumatoid, no, that's fever. Arthritis. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking um, about. And it changed her voice. So she, it kind of gave her that thick, Ma- that like rich, rush, sort yeah. of dark, deep tone that she had. Wow. Um, she said uh, that she, you know, once... When she was 13, you said? When she was 13. Like, once the infection cleared up, she was left with this sort of big voice. Yeah. So that played a big role in her sound. Wow. But then when this song um, came out, she got in a really terrible car accident. Um, On June 14th, 1961, her and her brother Sam were involved in a head-on collision in Nashville, and the impact threw... Patsy into the windshield and she nearly died. Damn. And um, she insisted that the paramedics help the wo- other woman in the car who was in the car accident first. And that woman actually died in front of Patsy. Wow. I think that really left like a big yeah. um, impression on her. 
And she was pretty banged up from the accident. She spent like a month in jail and she had Jeez. stitches on a her face. In, a month in, in jail. She <laughs> spent hospital. a month like... in hospital. <laughs> Excuse Wait, me. Wait, did she cause the car accident? <laughs> no. She she spent a month in hospital. Um she had a really big uh jagged cut across her forehead mm. so that Jeez. required stitches. Yeah. She had a broken wrist, a dislocated hip. Damn. Um and she she was never quite the same. She had a visible scar. So for the rest of her career, she wore wigs and makeup to hide the scar yeah. along with the headband. Um, she had like really severe headaches for the rest of her life from this car accident. Oh, gosh. Um, but she rededicated her life to Christ Amen. after Amen. the car accident. Um, so she wasn't really able to tour and capitalize on the success of that song so, because she was out of commission. Yeah. For so long, so how long did it take for her to get back on like on the road? Or I, I guess I mean like, well, six. She was off tour for six weeks. That was it. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I would have taken way longer than that. Yeah. That's like oh, I'll like. But like literally, as that song year. was breaking, she She's was out. out. Yeah. 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 Jeez, that sucks. So. um so the record company was like, okay, we need to get you like another song to sort of reestablish you mm-hmm. and get you back out there and blah, 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 blah. And they presented her with this Willie Nelson song called Crazy. Um, and she didn't really like his version because it, it was more, I mean, she's like a singer, singer, and Willie Nelson was kind of like more of a conversationalist. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. He's like kind of a talky singer. Oh yeah, I just I just watched him like. Uh, oh, did you see him at, at Stagecoach? At, yeah, he was, really, he was super adorable. Also, has like the world's longest arm hair I have ever seen. You could like French braid his arm hair. Oh wow! It was it was bananas. Like bushy. It was like very long and straight. It's like like his hair. It was just like an extension of his hair. It was I don't know. It's a very. <laughs> I just I was sitting there thinking like. Are you sure it wasn't his pigtails just like hanging down? No, like I was studying his arms for like half the time I was watching it. I was just like, where is his hair coming from? I mean, like I was just imagining he's got to be covered in that. Wow. Like it's just check it out. (laughs) I'm sure if you Google Willie Nelson arm hair. Siri, remind me to Google Willie Nelson's arm hair at 5 p.m. tomorrow. (laughs) You are in for a treat. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's very much so a conversationalist and just, like, wants to sit and, like, chat. Like, let me sit here and, like, give you the same four chords over and over again and yeah. tell a story. And she didn't, like, love his version. And, um, well, I'm gonna, this is, this is the, this is Willie Nelson's The OG version. version. Of, yeah, classic. Oh, it's so loud. Crazy, 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 crazy for feeling so lonely. I'm crazy, I'm crazy, Mm. crazy for feeling so blue. I knew, I knew. Love me as long as you wanted. As you wanted. I mean, it's very like, you know, there's a lot of, he's not really holding out any notes and. Yeah. Um, it's not really her style. Not in the least bit. 
Well, I mean, it's it's, but it, it's funny because like they, it's still a very similar song, but they both kind of make it like a very distinctly different like. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know. Like his is a bit more like kind of what was me, and hers is kind of a bit more like kind of like longing. Yeah, a yeah. A bit more, you know. Hers is a bit more like, um crazy yeah <laughs> he's just like Ooh. but i think hers is the definitive version, version i mean absolutely. it's like you know like the, the version everyone knows you, yeah um so they kind of encouraged her to like just make it your own and um but she was having trouble recording it because normally you know when they used to record records they would do like three or four songs in a in one day and sort of bang them out mm-hmm. everything was live but because of the accident, she was really struggling. She was getting tired. She was on crutches mm. and she couldn't um, get through the vocal takes, mm-hmm. especially when it got to the high part. Yes. So they sent her down and they, they sent, sent her down. They sent her home. Hey, Patsy. And um, they, they're like, Patsy, go home. You're tired, girl. Take a seat. Take a seat. And they recorded the band and then she came back in a few days or maybe a week or so later Mm -hmm. and did it, I think, in one full take. Mm. And I think it was kind of somewhat miraculous because she had been so jacked up from this car accident. That she did it all in one take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's crazy that they got her back out there so quickly. I I used... So, like, you know, like, the the classic... I don't know when that movie came out. The Coal Miner's Daughter. mm -hmm. When did that come out? Um, I think it came out in the late 80s. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, it's Beverly D'Angelo. Um, Beverly I, D'Angelo? Yeah, I mean... Was she in that? Yes. Sissy Spacek. Beverly D'Angelo was in it Oh, well. she was in it too. Yeah, they oh, were both yeah. in it. But, um, like, for some odd reason, I just... I remember watching bits of that movie, but not actually ever... Watching the full yeah, movie. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't remember think I've seeing ever the whole seen thing. It, it, it was on TV on like a lot. TBS all the time. Yeah, and I just would watch like five minutes here and there, but I have like I literally like just I feel like I've seen this movie like a million times, but I have no I don't understand the context. Like I remember the car accident part, but I didn't know that it was like such a quick turnaround. You mm-hmm. know, like I don't know, it's crazy. It's yeah. Movie. Yeah, Loretta Lynn was like a big. Well, that movie's about Loretta Lynn. The coal miner's daughter. Oh, that is true. Yeah. That's probably why I don't, like... But Loretta Lynn is a part of this story. And actually, she was, like, a big... uh, She was a... She was... (laughs) That movie is without a doubt about It's about Loretta Lynn. But Loretta Lynn was Patsy's good Judy. Yeah. That is true. They were homegirls. Yeah, they were Judy's for sure. For sure. Um, So, yeah, that became Patsy Cline's, like, signature song... It was. Um, do they have a Patsy Cline movie? I don't know if they do. Like they they should. I don't know. Um, Who should we cast as Patsy Cline? I don't know why I feel like put some brown context on white Michelle Williams and she could act the shit out of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Probably. That's a that's a good call. The white Michelle Williams could do it. <laughs> what if? What if you got like a dramatic turn on a Melissa McCarthy type though? Like she Melissa did, like, McCarthy. What if she did like a like a you know like when did like remember when um like Jim Carrey like did his serious movie Man on the Moon like she did Patsy like, was thirty when she died. I mean like she could pass for thirty. See, I mean like movie magic is a real thing. <laughs> and you think that Michelle Williams could pass for thirty? Yeah, I do actually. I don't know. 
I mean, let's see it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. I mean, yeah, let's think like who else could do that. Anne Hathaway, maybe. Oh, nobody wants to see that. But Anne Hathaway's like, people like her now. Oh my God. Somebody called Katy Perry the Anne Hathaway of music. <gasps> Okay, wait, I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, Crazy became Betsy Klein's biggest hit. Um, Ooh, that's funny. We just went on a tangent there again. Yeah. This week's tangent is brought to you again by Tide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go back. Um so yeah, and it was it was uh, it was number nine on the US Hot 100, number two on the country charts, and it was like her biggest selling you know song yeah, ever. So she got back in the studio at the end of 1961 to record, and there she had her last hit of her lifetime called "She's Got You," which was written by Hank Cochran. And um, he pitched the song to her over the phone, and she was like, I love this. This song is my jam. OMG, let's record it right now. I've got your picture that you gave to me. And it's signed with love. Just like it used to be The only thing different The only thing new I've got your picture She's got She's you She's got you Yeah mm. Cute little lyric It is super adorable um, So yeah, that was um, her it was num- went to number one on the country charts, and that was her last ever like hit during her lifetime. Um, it was also her first entry in the UK top one hundred charts. It went to number forty three. Oh wow! In the UK, and then after that, she became the first country star, the f- first female country star to headline her own tour. Tour, and she became the first woman in country music to perform at Carnegie Hall. Oh, wow. Which is a big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and she was homies with all the country ladies, you know, like June Carter Cash and Loretta Lynn. And they all recalled a story of, um, oh, sidebar. She was like really generous. She was known amongst her group of friends for being like really, really, really generous. She would pay people's rent. She would, oh, wow. um, you know. Whatever she had money, yeah, yeah, she would. She was always helping folks out and paying for people's shit, and you know, um, so that she was always known for that in her group of friends. But after these accidents, um, after that car accident, she kind of wasn't really the same. And um, she'd already she started to um, she had this sense of impending doom. Like she knew, Mm -hmm. she talked about having a feeling that she wasn't going to be around for much longer. And she started to give away her personal items to friends. And she wrote her will on a Delta Airlines stationery and asked her friends to care for her children if anything should happen to her. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, she kind of just had this this weird, like, like, spooky feeling. And she said um, at the Grand Ole Opry, a week before her death, Honey, I've had two bad accidents. The third one will either be a charm or it'll kill me. Fuck. 
What was the? I thought there's only been one accident. Well, there was one in the in the piece that I read. Okay, but there must there's have been another, another one. one. Wow. Yeah. Shit. So the following week, um, she was sick with the flu, but she went to perform at a benefit on March third in um, Kansas for the family of a disc jockey, this guy Cactus Jack Hall, who had died in a, also died in a car crash a month earlier. Man, transit in the 50s and 60s. It wasn't safe out there. Man, shit. You yeah. couldn't get me on the roads back then. I mean, goddamn. That's crazy. You I can't mean, take I feel like bus. people weren't really wearing seatbelts either. Wearing, I mean, like, if she almost went through a windshield, yeah, I she highly doubt she was wearing a seatbelt. Seat I mean, can I get an airbag? Exactly. Jeez. A seatbelt? Seatbelt. Something. I mean, maybe yeah. it, that's, I mean, between that, bus crashes, plane oh, yeah. crashes. I mean, jeez. Bus crash. Speaking of bus crashes, this tangent will be brought to you by Oreos. Yes. Uh, the first live like arena tour I ever went to when I was a child mm-hmm. was Gloria Estefan. <gasps> it wasn't that show. It was like right. It was the first tour that she did after the bus crash tour. Uh, the uh, bus crash tour. The bus crash tour. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with us? Jesus Christ. What is wrong with us? You need to like, we need to be put down today. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, just, just all the fucked up things. The um, bus crash tour. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, and she was, and she'd had like, she broke her back and she'd been in rehab for that and everything. And she was amazing. Mm-hmm. I just remember as a child, like really We have to that. do a Gloria Estefan. Let's do a Gloria Estefan and Celia Cruz. We should episode. do like a Cuban. We should. Yeah, a Cuban. Right. Yeah, that's I'm a good down. idea. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a great show, and that was my first arena show as a kid. Oh my gosh! So, Patsy was doing this um, benefit in Kansas, and um, they did. She did three performances. One at what? <laughs> you thinking about the bus crash tour? <laughs> thinking fresh out of rehab, physical that is. <laughs> <laughs> Such a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, not your best. No, that's just sorry. Yep, moving on. <laughs> um, so back to Patsy in her final hours. <laughs> she oh, did three shows: two p.m., five p.m., and eight p.m. And there had been really bad weather, so um, mm-hmm. the next day they were gonna fly back to Nashville, but there had been like a crazy storm, snow, and rain, fog. Uh, oh. Just like just fog and rain and, like, yeah. yeah, like too foggy to fly. Um, so they put them up in a hotel and um, her husband asked her to um, ride in the car back to them with Na- to Nashville, which is a 16-hour drive. But she said, don't worry about me. When it's my time to go, it's my time. Um on March 5th, she called her mother from the motel and checked out at 12.30 p.m. Uh, she went to the airport and she boarded a Piper PA-24 Comanche plane. Um, and they took off. They landed in Missouri to refuel. And then they made one more stop in Dyersburg, Tennessee at 5 p.m. Also, this was her manager. Randy Hughes's plane, and he was flying the plane. Oh, wow. Um, he was the pilot, but he was not really trained in instrument flying. Mm-hmm. So, um, Jeez. yeah. What is, like, so he shouldn't have been flying the plane, essentially. Well, he was a pilot, but I don't, there was something that he wasn't specifically trained to do. Yeah, so he shouldn't have been flying the plane. 
That's awful. Um, so, yeah. So the uh, the Diasburg, Tennessee airfield manager suggested that they stay the night because of the winds and the terrible weather, and he was going to put them up for free. But Hughes said, we've already come this far. We'll be there before you know it. The plane took off at 6.07 p.m., and uh, the plane crashed in the heavy weather that evening. Um, her recovered wristwatch had stopped at 6.20 p.m. Wow. Jeez, so the not plane, that soon after. Yeah, not that long so they after. literally, you know, just took... I mean, most plane crashes either happen during takeoff or landing. Yeah. Um, the plane was found 90 miles from its Nashville destination in a forest outside Camden, Tennessee. Um, forensic examination concluded that everyone aboard had been killed instantly. Um, and they didn't like this in a similar way to the Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and that crash. Um, they didn't find them until the next day and they didn't, they were out there looking for them because they hadn't shown up. That's a crazy plane crash too. Yeah. Everybody died on board. How Um, many people were on there? You know, I'm not sure. I didn't read that in my research, but it was a small private plane. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people. Um, her body was brought home for her memorial service to uh, she was and then she was buried in um, Winchester, Virginia. And on her gravestone, it says Virginia H. Patsy Klein, death cannot kill what never dies. Mm. And uh, Loretta Lynn and Dottie West um, had a bell tower erected at the cemetery in her memory, which plays hymns every day at 6 p.m., which is the hour of her death. Aww. So, yeah, that was nice for, for her friends to do. That's and, yeah, I mean, yeah. she was 30. It was She was right in the thick of the height of her career. Yeah. And making a comeback from, like, such a, like a debilitating accident, too. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's really, that's kind of a big bummer. I yeah. <sighs> such a, such a bummer. Um, but it did, you know, it made her an icon and, um, yeah. That's fancy. Um, there's been a lot of talk about people that have been influenced by her and a lot of country female singers, especially that she had a huge influence on. And there was a long list on her Wikipedia page of people Mm -hmm. who were, you know, listed as influences uh, influenced by. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody that they left off the list, which I was actually kind of angry about, was Katie Lang. Really? Yeah, because Katie Lang was so obviously influenced Patsy. by Patsy. In fact, she did two Patsy covers. I didn't know that. Which ones? I'm going to play some of them. Um, so I don't know why the fuck her lesbian ass was left off the Wikipedia page. but Lesbian erasure. Yes. Once again. <laughs> lesbian erasure. Yep. Once again. Um, Not getting away this time. This is <laughs> Katie Lang and the Reclines. I fall to pieces live from 1985. Oh no! <laughs> I love her. That photo. <laughs> These pictures on this video are amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> I love Katie Lang's voice. She sounds great. 
so good live. So yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that Katie listened to a, a lot, lot of Patsy. Of Patsy. Yeah. And then she did um, Crazy um, from a Country Music Awards in 1991. Crazy. Sorry, this audio is so shitty. Look at her in this suit. God, she's such a lesbian. Yeah. She looks great. That suit, so that good. power suit. saxophone is doing it as well that saxophone is trying to be a star it is absolutely <laughs> that saxophone is really trying to be famous <laughs> it's like like uh, like lawrence i'm sorry i'm so, are you singing right now <laughs> i thought i thought this was my part of the song yeah yeah like fallback saxophone fallback, exactly <laughs> <laughs> really are you doing this right now so yeah that's that's patsy klein and her unfortunate death I mean, you know, it's uh how do you wrap up an episode about about the I mean we well, basically I, said all the wrong things. We said all the wrong things about all the right people. <laughs> but um, um I, I know exactly how I'm gonna wrap this up. But before we do that, we just wanna thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Email us if you can email us and just tell us like how problematic we are, that's Absolutely. fine. I mean I'm I'm assuming that I'm gonna get I mean I'd actually be kind of disappointed if if I don't have to like apologize to somebody uh, directly at some point in time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, hit us up on uh, by email. Uh, Context of sound at gmail dot com. And then we're on Twitter as well. Context uh, of sound. Yep, and yeah, I mean, we rate, rate, subscribe. Do it on right iTunes. now. Pick up your little oh. app. Find us on SoundCloud. You can follow us there because, like, we put things on there too. Um, yeah. So yeah. Do it. Do it. Um, so thanks for listening this week. Uh, and yeah, we will. We'll talk soon. Bye. What's with Completely forgot about that song. Completely. Hashtag never forget.